<laughs> Meanwhile, Todd Furman joins us from Las Vegas. Hi, Todd. 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 What's, <laughs> what's going on, guys? Hopefully everyone is doing well in lovely Nashville this afternoon. We are. Mm-hmm. Happy holidays on the front end of everything. You got any big plans coming up? Absolutely none. Have uh, the fiance's entire family coming over Saturday for Christmas Day. I have some NFL responsibilities, so I'll be ducking in and out and have to do everything in my power to keep from drinking until halftime of the nightcap is passed. <laughs> so I can at least appear to be semi-coherent when I go on CBS's airwaves. Yeah, Slay was just saying the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do everything you can to stay coherent before halftime. You know, it's somewhat overrated. I'll be completely honest. Yeah. But uh, for job security and everything else, I have much better control of what comes out of my mouth uh, when I've only had two or three cocktails in the system instead of six plus. I agree. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's go ahead and start. San Francisco at Tennessee coming mm-hmm. up tomorrow. Uh, three and a half, the early line, down to three in some places. Do you find any value on the Tennessee side of things? I do not, but I'm also not running to the window to back the 49ers here. I think the betting market has caught up to where these two teams are in the season. The look-ahead number for this game was right around to pick him, but of course Tennessee goes on the road, comes up a yard short uh, from having a chance to knock off the Steelers in a game they dominated in terms of total yardage. Meanwhile, San Francisco, they look to be a bit of a juggernaut right now. Winners of five of their last six, been a top-five scoring offense and defense during that stretch. When you look at the Titans, and this won't come as a surprise any Titans fans, you dig into some of the numbers. Points per game have dropped from 28-plus per contest to a shade more than 18 yards per game from 377 to 302 without Derrick Henry. But more importantly, you've seen Ryan Tannehill's production really fall off. It's combination of protection issues up front. We know that left side of the offensive line won't be any healthier and just not having weapons in the receiving core. So I'm not quite sure how this matchup will play out. Obviously, the travel works in the Titans' favor, but in terms of the personnel on the football field, I think San Francisco is the far superior side as we sit here headed into Week 16. So we talk uh, about um, how much players affect point spreads, right? Like, And and you have consistently uh, said that quarterbacks can affect the line uh, not necessarily uh, other players, although Derrick Henry, you know, uh, given everything, maybe two and a half, somewhere in there, depending on the matchup. What about, it, it looks like A.J. Brown is going to be able to go. It looks like Julio Jones, who practiced fully today, will be able to go. Does that change things at all? It definitely helps because it offsets some of uh, the lack of weaponry that we've seen from Tennessee, specifically in the passing game over the last couple of weeks. And Ryan Tannehill's passer rating has really shown the difference with and without Derrick Henry. I mean, you're talking about numbers that are more in line with the mid-80s. With Henry in the fold, it's 115-plus. So having those two guys out there, knowing that Deontay Foreman has filled in admirably with 155 yards and 35 carries over the last two weeks, you'd think that would give them some balance. But I do wonder, matched up against the likes of a Nick Bosa coming off of the edge, if you're down your second stringers on that left side of the offensive line, how aggressive do you want to be with Ryan Tannehill? I think his legs have to be the X factor in this game, maybe a designed run or two. We've seen him be more proficient as a runner, especially inside the 10-yard line, than as a passer over the last couple weeks. Uh, And imagine that trend would continue if they get into scoring territory tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) Todd, now... Um, Sorry, we just had some bad harassment. Yeah, let me let me ask you this, Indy at AZ. What we, what we got looking at this? I believe this turned into a pick 'em also, right? Yeah, this is another game that's moved a ton as well, Slay. When you look at the uh, number forecasting going into last weekend, Arizona would have been about a three-and-a-half, four-point favorite, but the Colts go out there and dominate New England for the better part of three quarters, despite 
Carson Wentz only completing five passes. Arizona goes on the road and becomes the first team in NFL history that had 10-plus wins to lose to a team that had one win or less by double digits. So two opposite ends of the coin. You dig into some of the Cardinals' recent numbers, and they're not exactly a ringing endorsement for trying to back this team. I mean, the last two weeks, Kyler Murray's seen the worst completion percentage uh, of his season really crater his yards per attempt for the season from 8.9 down to 7.1 he's turned the ball over three times in a passer rating that's really fallen off the table and I think what we're seeing from Arizona is some vulnerability on the defensive side plus it's rare that the road team comes in in a more advantageous travel situation but that's what you have here with Arizona crisscrossing the country to take on the Lions I think they'll be better here uh, and when you look at these two teams from a value perspective it's probably Arizona or pass but I just haven't been a believer in the Cardinals I've said that for weeks that market has finally caught up to them, and I feel this is a game better served to sit on the sidelines than it is to tangle with a particular yeah. side. Yeah, I agree. Interesting. Uh, so many of these games have playoff implications. Um, it, it's difficult to kind of roll through right. uh, all of them, obviously, but let's go to Buffalo at New England. New England favored by two and a half at home against the Bills. And uh, I think New England's going to throw the ball more than three times in this particular matchup. <laughs> what we saw the first time around against Buffalo, although the Bills' run defense continues to be porous. I mean, they're giving up chunk yards. Uh, they're giving up a ton of overall yardage in these games. So New England, I think, will be able to operate effectively through the play-action game. Problem for the Patriots is they're down some weaponry as far as receivers are concerned. Uh, we know Nelson Algalore left last game with a concussion, Kendrick Bourne in COVID protocol. So we'll see if either of those guys come back. But I think this is the kind of game where New England can lean on their tight ends. It's got to be a Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry type performance. Defensively, New England has dealt a little bit of a benefit, knowing that they won't have to contend with slot receiver Cole Beasley. Although Gabriel Davis has really come on of late. Six touchdown catches so far this season. Had a couple of them last week. If the number got to three, you are going to see some money on Buffalo. And if all things were equal, I was hell-bent on going over the total here because I think these defenses are a little bit overrated. But I want to make sure I know exactly what weapons are going to be out there. If the total were to tick down some and the forecast looks favorable, can see making a slight value play going over 43 if the number came down a shade. How much attention do you put, put on weather? Like, Do you check weather on all of these games? Uh, this time of year, a ton. Uh, I'm yeah. checking it usually once in the morning and once at night, especially with venues that we know are notorious uh, for late-season forecasts where you'll get those swirling winds, you'll get some of the other elements that play a role. And I think one of the big parts when you look at weather and try and figure out where you can get a little bit of an edge, wind is the single biggest factor if you want to make a case to go under the total because even a light dusting of snow or some rain actually can give the advantage to the offense. Yes, it's a wet football, but the offense knows where they're going. It can hurt footing on the defense side, whereas wind, forget about it, it's typically a huge benefit, especially if we're talking about gusts of 15 miles an hour or greater. Todd, let me take you to college for a second. We got UCF in Florida. Florida in flux with, I, I don't know who, who's leading this program. You got one guy that's just watching the game, and you got one guy that's coaching the game that really ain't really a coach. Yeah, he's uh, gone after the game. Yeah, I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, but then you got Malzahn looking to get a chip off his shoulder. Yeah, it's a great question, and I think UCF will have to be thrilled to be in this particular spot, playing in their home state, knowing that it's going to get tougher and tougher to recruit in the state of Florida when you look at the other programs, especially coming from the Power Five conferences. If this game was played during the regular season, though, we'd be looking at Florida as a double-digit favorite. Of course, that's not quite the case here. To your point, you don't know exactly who's going to be calling the shots from a coaching standpoint. You have a quarterback who said he's going to enter the transfer portal after the game. Uh, as we know, Jack Miller, the former Ohio State quarterback, looks to be the guy with the inside track once Billy Napier takes over. 
Uh, I think this is where live betting comes in because you're going to know pretty early on if Florida wants to be there. If they do, they can be a team that's running downhill. If they're a little bit checked out and UCF treats this game like the Super Bowl, like I think they will, they'll have an excellent chance to win it outright because you know Gus and company would love to exact a pound of flesh from Big Brother in the state. So I'm going to take that as money line, UCF. <laughs> oh. I do honestly, Slay. I don't think that's a terrible way to look at it because I think it's boom or bust. I don't see a scenario where this is a game played inside the number. Right. And I think if UCF is going to be the team that's more engaged, they can run away and hide. If Florida wants to be there, the seven may not be enough to try and get you to the window. Right, right. Interesting. What about uh, today with uh, Missouri and Army? You know, this was a game early on. I wanted to make a case for Missouri, knowing that it's rare excuse me, to get an SEC opponent catching nearly a full touchdown against a service academy. The one thing we have grown accustomed to is service academies playing exceptionally well in bowl games, but it's rare for them to be favored by this margin uh, over power five teams. And you dig into what Army's played as far as a schedule this season. I mean, you're hard-pressed to find anything uh, of real substance there. I mean, this is one of the worst strengths of schedule uh, of any team coming into the bowl season. Yes, they played Wisconsin. Yes, they played Wake Forest. But you gave up 70 to Wake. Uh, you went down the road to Wisconsin in a game that wasn't nearly as competitive as 20-14. to 14. But Missouri, of course, without Tyler Beatty, Brady Cook will be under center. At 7, I can see making a slight case for Missouri. Uh, but if some of their ales that were plagued them all season long and stopping the run rear its ugly head, this is the kind of opponent that can demoralize you pretty quickly. Is there an NFL game we didn't touch on that you like? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at one of the games in the AFC North, and I know this total's been bet up a shade, but I think there are going to be some points in Baltimore and Cincinnati. This is a Ravens defense dealing with a ton of question marks in their back end. They know they have to be a little bit more aggressive offensively because they can't try and win defensive slugfest. Uh, with basically their entire starting secondary from early in the season out. Meanwhile, Cincinnati has the playmakers that are more than capable uh, of putting a hurt on Baltimore. On the other side, we'll see if Lamar Jackson returns at 100%, but I think Baltimore's passing game can do enough against this Bengals' banged-up defense that the game will be a little bit higher scoring than the 44.5 suggests. Great mm. stuff, Todd. Really appreciate it, man. Uh, ha- have, a, have a great week, and uh, uh, we'll talk with you soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Have a great holiday and enjoy all the bowl games. You too, Todd. At Todd Furman, Bed the Board Podcast. Check him out.